presented by Bud Light. It is Grateful Dead Thursday. He's Ben Brost. I'm Greg Scalzo across ESPN Wisconsin. Excited to be joined by our friend, our teammate, Jason Wilde, usually with us on Mondays. Today on a Thursday, we appreciate his flexibility. Um, he's had to be really flexible with all the vacation time happening on Wilde and Touch, which you should be listening to every day from 9 to noon across ESPN Wisconsin. So yes, we accommodated Tausch because uh, he was gone the rest of this week. We had Tauschy on Monday, so we do appreciate you jumping in here on Thursday, Jason. Whatever you guys need, buddy, I serve at the pleasure of Josh DiMaggio. Uh, don't we all? Yeah. Um, it, well, Jesse's uh, Josh serves at the at Jesse's yeah, beck and call true. as well. That's true. Yeah, that's a very true statement. Uh, we kind of took your uh, your question from earlier today as a jumping off point, Jason. Because uh, first off, I would vote, uh, and I, I did vote Mike Budenholzer. Um, but it was interesting that Matt Lafleur gets this much credit uh, to me already. He's done a fantastic job as far as uh, to start his career, but he's only a few seasons in and has yet to win a championship. Budenholzer did win a championship, and uh, it got to where I actually think that Mike McCarthy was a better Packers head coach than Matt LaFleur is currently. Uh, who do you think is the better Packer head coach? Um, I, I, I am not wishing any ill will on the quarterback. I want to be very clear when I say this. Um, but until I see Matt LaFleur have to do it without Aaron Rodgers, um, I think that's really a challenge for me to choose either one of them like you know Mike McCarthy in 2013 with some help from Matt Flynn kept that season afloat so did the NFC North by not being very good uh 2017 they were four and one at the time of Rogers injury with the broken collarbone in Minnesota uh they obviously lost that game and then Brett Hundley turned out to be not very good the problem that I have with this entire conversation uh, which we enjoyed having, and Josh, kudos to you because you kind of pushed this topic and you were wise to do so, is how do you parse great coach versus good, very good coach with great player, right? Because whether it's Budenholzer with Giannis or McCarthy or Lafleur with Rodgers, and for McCarthy before that, Favre, like – how do you guys, in your minds, factor in the great player por- part portion of your thought process on this? I mean, I'll, I guess I'll start. Uh, for me, Budenholzer, I mean, look, they all have great players, right? I think if you look at it one way, you could say, well, Council's probably done more than less when you, uh, with less when yeah. you look at the regular season. Um, but I do think a championship matters. And I think that it's harder uh, when you look at how many teams win in the NBA versus how many teams win in the NFL. It's, it's uh, less likely for a team to win in the NBA. I guess that's the wrong way to put it. But like in the last... You know, 13 years, Jason, there's been 11 Super Bowl champs. There's been 11 NBA champions since 1990. So there's more dominance in the NBA. And I think in order to ascend there, um, I, I have to give a lot of weight towards that in the Budenholzer part. And he still had the regular season success that the other guys have had. But he has won a championship. And I would say in specific to the Mike McCarthy versus Matt LaFleur debate, like they both have had... Aaron Rodgers, now Mike McCarthy, a little bit of Brett Favre as well. But 
that he won a Super Bowl, and for as much as we tout the 13-win seasons of Matt LaFleur, the year after they won the Super Bowl, he won 15 games as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and plus he made it back to multiple NFC championship games after that. So I know it ended on bad terms, and I think that's what everyone feels, that bad taste in their mouth, but like he did a heck of a lot as the Green Bay Packers coach. That's why he's got a street name. Yeah, and and the two things that kind of played out today as we talked about this on our show were, one, the apparent devaluing in this poll of having a championship, right? Because at the same time as Budenholzer was bringing up the rear of the three uh, on the ballot, uh, we have been hearing for how long now about Aaron Rodgers and their lack of championships since 2010. And when we talk about Matt LaFleur now, it's, yeah, they've had three great regular seasons, but he hasn't even made it to the Super Bowl, right? And so it's almost as if there's a double standard, at least based on the polling data, between uh, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have been disappointments for not winning a Super Bowl yet, or in Rodgers' case, not having won one in quite a while, and Budenholzer wins one last year, and you know you guys know more about NBA basketball than I do. But in my very humble opinion, if they don't lose Chris Middleton, I think they're playing tonight in Game Six of the NBA Finals still. And so, you know, here's a guy that was uh, potentially winning back-to-back NBA titles. Now, on the flip side, and this is the other part of the poll that I think is one of the reasons why. Budenholzer finished last, for us anyway, is that, uh, you know, and, and Eric Name has said it, and I think Justin Garcia said it, like, if they lose that series to the Nets, he probably gets fired. And so can you pick him in your voting when he was that close to being fired? Now, the other story that no one uh, really brings up anymore, and not that there's a reason to, given how good Lafleur has been as a head coach, but there were multiple reports after the 2018 NFL season that Mike Vrabel was going to fire Matt LaFleur as his offensive coordinator. And then LaFleur went out and got the head coaching job of the Packers, and obviously he's been really good, and he's had Aaron Rodgers all three years, et cetera. But that's why it's just so hard for me to really figure out how good a coach truly is and – then there's the other layer, and, and I would defer to you guys on this, but like, in which of these three sports would you say the manager or the head coach has the greatest impact and the least impact? Because I would say baseball is most likely the one where he has the most impact, wouldn't you? I would go baseball, number one, as the most impact. You got, yeah. you, you got a ton of decisions to make, night in, night out, the lineup, uh, movement in the game, how to conserve pitchers. Like, there's a, there's a lot of strategy each and every game. Whereas, if you do have Giannis, Coach Budenholzer is very lucky and he's a good coach. And I, I do believe that he has changed the narrative, in my opinion, in terms of adjustments in the series. But ultimately, those guys are out there making a lot of the plays. Football, ah, quarterbacks got so much involvement. We've seen the success that Aaron Rodgers has been able to bring Matt LaFleur as a guy who's never been a head coach. Yeah, and, and look, they, obviously a, a head coach who has an offensive background is oftentimes the play caller. They formulate the game plan, et cetera. 
but there aren't, uh, you know, as much as I wanted to make a Charles Lee joke from Hamilton as uh, Coach Bud promoted him after Darvin Ham's departure, like, what do they have? Three assistants? Is that right? No, like, there's like seven assistants. No, on the no, staff well, there is, but there's only a handful. I mean, there's only two or three assistants okay, on the team. Fair, but there are tons of, like, I guess they all have special titles of like the skill development coach or, or the whatnot. video coordinator. But when you're yeah. talking about strategy, like I, I, I do think NBA coaches make a massive difference. I mean, you see that. You see that. Uh, uh, you've seen that over the last decade when LeBron fires one guy and brings in another, and they end up winning. Like a lot of it's ego management. But like, a lot, I, I can argue against right. that. I'm, I see. That's where I disagree. I mean, like when you had, I forget the guy that they brought over from David uh, Blatt. D- David Blatt, and then you get rid of him and Ty Lue. It's an entirely different team, not only just from what's happening in-game, but in terms of managing ego, in terms of developing roles, in terms of getting guys to buy in. Like it's, I get that some people would argue, oh, look, there's more coordination here. Like There's less... I think the decisions are far different when you talk about basketball. I think there's a lot more fluidity in terms of what it's like coaching or managing that team. Whereas in baseball, so much of it nowadays actually comes down from the front office based on a lot of really heavily analytic data. So like you have some managers who just look at a card and say, okay, you've got a lefty coming up. Here's where my decision is. Like Brett Bielema used to take out the card and go for two when they were up by like 62 yeah, points. I mean, you could say that all you want, but councils throw it out. You know, bullpen games as they go to the NLCS in 2018. Yeah, it's a lot different now. I agree. I mean, look, I think all of the decisions, and in football, you could certainly make the case about what it's like uh, from a play-calling standpoint. Like, no other sport do you have an individual play being called on every play. Yeah. It's a good point. The debate continues, Jason, but I will ask you as we're talking with Jason Wildey here on Scalzone Brust. uh, Jason... What is the number one player with the most buzz right now coming out of the first sessions of OTAs and minicamps? Ooh, good question. Um, and, and I know Tausch isn't listening, so he won't pat himself on the back for this, especially since he got the kid's name wrong. But I think Tyler Davis on offense has the most buzz. Uh, I think he's the guy everyone's most intrigued by, especially given their tight end situation uh, and the uncertainty of what Robert Tunyon's availability will be early in the year. And then on defense, I think there's a couple. I think uh, Jerron Reed has been an intriguing addition. Now, again, they did this only in shorts and helmets, so let's hold off on anointing him too much. But they're really excited about what he brings to a defensive line that needed a little bit of a, a boost after uh, letting some guys go in the past six, eight months. Um, and then I think Rashawn Gary is the guy that everyone's kind of eager to see what he can do after a breakthrough season. Like, Can he duplicate that and then go beyond it? And, you know, he got everyone's attention by being at the final week of OTAs when most everyone else with any sort of name recognition started their summer vacation early. Uh, Randall, Cobb and, Randall Cobb and Kenny Clark and uh, the guys that had very large workout bonuses had met the required number of practices, and so they all left. And Rashawn Gary doesn't have that, so he skipped some of the early ones and then stayed for the late ones. So those are some of the guys that I think – go out of the off-season program 
with a little bit of buzz. And, and frankly, I know that he's a polarizing figure, and I have been a skeptic of him. But I think, I think Jordan Love did enough to, sh- to give us a little buzz, maybe like a baby bee, not Ooh. like an entire swarm of bees. Wow. But the, he did – look, he was really good in the, in the two-minute drills. Uh, I just thought he was a lot more decisive. And as Sydney always hears me quote Matt LaFleur, indecisive equals ineffective. And he has been indecisive and, and as a result, ineffective. And I thought during the practices we got to see, he was more decisive, and I thought that really helped him. Mark in New Berlin rejoices. Uh, Jason, quickly, uh, Mina Kimes talked about how she sees this Packers defense as the second-best defense in the NFL heading into the season. Uh, do you feel like, and she talked quite glowingly about Joe Barry, do you feel like this defense is in a position to make that sort of a jump based on what we saw last year? I, I think it's possible that Mina will be right, but I don't think she is. Like, I think... I think they're going to be a top 10 defense, maybe. Um, but anything higher than that, I think, is um, slightly overselling them. We'll wait. I'll, I'll wait and see, and I'll be happy to tell Mina that she was right if they finish second. But I think they're going to be a top 10 defense. Last year, remember, they were ninth. Uh, in yards allowed and tied for 13th in scoring defense. Um, just because they lost Devontae Adams on offense doesn't mean that they're suddenly a defensive team. And rookies don't always come in and have the kind of impact that you want them to, even first-round picks. And so they're going to have to stay healthy, and they're going to need their d- defensive backfield to be, in my opinion, really good. They're going to get a good pass rush if everyone stays healthy, but the idea that Quay Walker is going to tilt the field or that Devontae Wyatt is going to tilt the field as rookies, I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, Quay Walker, you know, if if his name was A.J. Hawk, we'd be poking fun at him because he never made any splash plays in college. He was a very solid, consistent player, but no interceptions, sacks, fumbles, like, he he was not a playmaker, and he wasn't even a full-time starter till his final year on that defense. So to, to say because they brought back Devondre Campbell and they drafted two guys on defense and Jair Alexander is healthy, uh, they're going to be top two. Um, I'm not willing to say that, but God bless Mina for saying it because it gave us all plenty of content to discuss and gave you a guess. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. Jason Wildey, Wildey Touch, 9 to noon across these very stations, Monday through Friday. Make sure to tune in there. We need caller 6, caller 9, 800-990-3776, 800-990-3776. Caller 6, caller 9, time to play Over Under Par, presented by Wild Rock Golf Course. A chance for you to win a pair of passes to play Wild Rock Golf Course, 800-990-3776. Josh DiMaggio has a category. He's got a line. We don't know either. We have 10 guesses to pick as many right answers in Josh's category as possible. Caller 6, you say over or under, depending on if you think we'll get more or less. Caller number 9, you're stuck on the other side. 800-990-3776. Caller 6, caller 9, over, under, par. Chance to win. Two passes to Wild Rock Golf Course. Next, it's Galso and Bruss. 
You're listening to Bud Light, Scalzo, and Rust. What was your I favorite thing to do in I third grade? Man? Third grade? I, so oh. third grade, I got in trouble. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Greg's walking out of the studio. I got this, guys. Don't worry. Scalzo and Bruss. I got in trouble because I took scissors and I cut the person I sat next to's shirt. <laughs> what? In order to make up for it, I then took the teacher out for lunch with my mom, sucked up, you know, and I was like, really sucked. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, she knew I wasn't a bad kid. I just made a mistake, lapse of judgment. It basically just gave me a slap on the wrist and said, don't do that again. And then Kelly O'Kelly and my mom and I went out for lunch in third grade. This is the problem with America today. Your parents, your teacher, nobody's hating you. You you don't think consequences exist for your actions. And then you continue to just leave a path to destruction behind you while everyone else picks up the damn mess. Subscribe and listen to full show podcasts available free on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.